College Basketball Insider. Some news and notes from around the world of college basketball. In-studio correspondent for WFAN and CBS Sports Radio. Attention please to John Rothstein. Please report to St. The Insider's Insider. Joining us now with his thoughts and a break it down, John Rothstein. It's College Hoops Today with John Rothstein. Let's put the women and children to bed and go looking for dinner. John Rothstein here on the College Hoops Today podcast later in this show. We'll be joined by Northwestern head coach Chris Collins. I want to remind you to subscribe to the College Hoops Today podcast on Apple Podcasts. We want to be your Bible for the college basketball season or beyond. We are the only college basketball podcast coming to you 52 weeks out of the calendar year. Also, want to remind you to check out the College Hoops Today fan page on Facebook. Give us a like. Give us a review. Let us know what you think of the product we're bringing to you 52 weeks out of the calendar year. And also, send me your questions on Twitter. I'll get to them later in this podcast. I'm at John Rothstein. That's John, J-O-N. And a reminder to find and listen to the College Hoops Today podcast on all the popular podcast platforms. Make sure to subscribe, like, and rate the show. And please feel free to listen. Leave us comments and also check out collegehoopstoday.com for breaking news, podcast, archives, stories, and analysis on the greatest sport that we have on our globe. And big picture headlines from the weekend in college basketball. Purdue had another win on Sunday against Michigan State, a game you heard right here on Compass Media Networks. And I think it's safe to say right now, considering the fact that Purdue has the inside track to the number one overall seed in the NCAA tournament. And considering the fact that Purdue has the most dominant force that we have seen in quite some time in college basketball in Zach Eady, and considering the fact that college basketball clearly does not have a pool of dominant teams, anything less than an appearance in the Final Four will be a disappointment for Purdue its program, its coaching staff, and its fan base. And you have to remember, over the last five years, Purdue has had multiple heartbreaking scenarios in the NCAA tournament. 2018, I thought Purdue was good enough to get to a Final Four. Isaac Haas, the Boilers' starting center, suffers an elbow injury. They lose in the Sweet 16 to Texas Tech. 2019, Purdue loses to Virginia in overtime in the Elite Eight in one of the great Elite Eight games we've seen in recent memory. Virginia goes on and wins a national championship. Then last year, a team that had Zach Eady, a lottery pick in Jaden Ivey, and Travion Williams loses to St. Peter's in the Sweet 16. It's Final Four bust for Purdue. Meanwhile, could Creighton be this season's North Carolina. Now, I'm not saying that Creighton is going to go all the way to the national title game, but Creighton, to me, looks like a team that could be seated somewhere in the middle of the bracket and play very deep into the NCAA tournament. Creighton had a great win on Saturday against Xavier. Remember, Creighton with Ryan Kalkbrenner, the reigning defensive player of the year in the lineup, is 13-5. They were 0-3 with Kalkbrenner out of the lineup. Keep that in mind when you're forecasting things for Creighton down the road. 
TCU, a team that I feel, when healthy, is the best team in the Big 12, has to get healthy. Mike Miles hyperextended his knee on Saturday against Mississippi State. Eddie Lampkin, the big man who had 20-14 and 14 in the NCAA tournament last year against Arizona, has been slowed by an ankle injury. If healthy, TCU can win the Big 12 and get to a Final Four. If they're not healthy, it's going to be really tough for TCU to keep pace with Baylor, with Kansas, with Texas, with Kansas State. That will affect their NCAA tournament seed. And then finally, I want to get to Tennessee, and it's similar to what I said about Purdue, but it's not the exact same thing. Tennessee won by 11 in the Big 12 SEC Challenge against Texas on Saturday in Knoxville. And I think all things considered, this is the best chance that Rick Barnes has had at Tennessee to get to a Final Four. Now, in 2019, he was a two-seed in the NCAA tournament with Grant Williams, with Admiral Schofield. That team lost to Purdue in overtime in the Sweet 16. But similar to what I was saying with Purdue, the landscape is significantly different across the sport because even if Tennessee a couple of years ago was in a situation where they were going to make the Elite Eight, they would have had to play Virginia, who won the national championship. The way things are looking right now, I firmly believe that Tennessee will be a number one seed in the NCAA tournament. But as you know, as well as I know, at least for a couple more days, this is only January. Now, one of the great stories in college basketball is unfolding in Evanston, Illinois. Northwestern is 15-5 and after losing both Pete Nance and Ryan Young to the transfer portal. One is starting for North Carolina. The other is starting for Duke. How did this happen for Northwestern? We'll find out when Chris Collins, the head coach of the Wildcats, joins the College Hoop State podcast with John Rothstein coming up next. Northwestern is 15-5 and after 20 games. The Wildcats will next go on the road to take on Iowa this week. And the head coach of Northwestern is Chris Collins. He now joins the College Hoops Today podcast with John Rothstein. Chris, what do you think your reaction would have been in the preseason if someone told you you'd be 15-5 and after 20 games? I'd probably put a big smile on my face and uh, be a little bit surprised. But but I tell you what, I, I was really impressed uh, with the way our, our seniors – and our captains, obviously the two guards, Boo Booey, Chase Adige, but also Robbie Barron, you know, who's been a four-year starter. The way those guys kind of led our group this summer, um, you know, we had a real mentality of, of putting an identity to the defensive end of the floor. Uh, there was a real togetherness uh, that, that I saw with the group. I, I didn't know what that would translate to because there was a lot of unknowns coming into the season. But I did think we had a chance to be a little bit better than people thought we were going to be because of, of of those things I saw in the offseason. Now, aside from the defense, which has been elite for most of the year, what are the biggest reasons why you think the team has been so successful? Well, I just think the um, you know the the role allocation and 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 so many times you see this, John. You you follow it so so closely. Um, you know when the pieces kind of fit and and everybody knows what their roles are. Uh, we have two guards that are playing at a really high level. You know, Chase and Boo have have been outstanding. You know, for the most part of the year. And when you have two senior guards that kind of have the ball in their hands and they're decision makers and and they can lead the way on both ends of the floor, I think you have a chance. And then I give a lot of credit to the other guys. You know, they they found a way 
to kind of play around those two guys, bring great defense, you know, bring the positive things they can bring to the floor. Um, you know, we've had some guys really step up, you know, the emergence of Matthew Nicholson as a center for us, you know, his numbers aren't going to jump out at the page, but you know, he's a seven, one guy who has some mobility. He's big around the basket. He's been an anchor to our defense. And then the, you know, the emergence of a guy like a Brooks Barnheiser who, you know, didn't play much as a freshman, but, but really worked hard this summer and has put himself in a position to, to be a really solid contributor for us. You know, Chris, you lost by 29 at home against Pitt in late November, and then you came back and beat Michigan State at Michigan State. What happened in between those two games? Yeah, I thought that was a big uh, kind of not a turning point, but a, a, a pivotal point. Uh, in our season, you know, just because we've had a lot of veteran guys who have had, you know, short stints of success at certain times. And then, you know, when things hadn't gone as well, we've we'd had a hard time of kind of turning it around. And, you know, we, we had a very hard fought loss in the championship game in Mexico against Auburn. It was a real rock fight. We lost 43-42. Uh, thought we had a great opportunity to win that one. We came home. We were anxious to play a good Pittsburgh team in the AC Big Ten Challenge and just got throttled. I mean, they just beat us beat us badly. You know, we couldn't stop them. We, you know, it was just a tough night, and, and they played very well. And, and then we had to go on the road with our first conference game going to Michigan State, not the easiest venue to play in the Breslin Center. And I just thought that week, you know, the, the way the guys kind of turned the page after that pit game, we kind of recommitted. We had given up 87 in the pit game, and, and I think our guys realized, hey, if we're going to be successful, the, the defense has to carry every night, you know, and, and we'll find a way offensively. But, you know, the defense has to be there and it's got to be there at an elite level. And going on the road, you know, that weekend and, and winning in the Breslin Center, I think, gave our guys a lot of confidence uh, after two tough losses. Northwestern head coach Chris Collins joined the College Hoops Today podcast with John Rothstein Wildcats 15-5 and will next play at Iowa this week and Chris obviously the narrative surrounding your program is the team is having this great success and it lost one guy in Pete Nance who is now starting for North Carolina and another guy in Ryan Young who's now starting for Duke your alma mater what was your reaction initially over the summer when both of those players decided not to return well, it's kind of the nature of college basketball, for good or for bad. You know, we we got to uh, we all have to kind of wrap our arms and evolve around, you know, what's going on, you know, with player movement, with with the way the rules are. You know, I think the one thing that was lost with those two guys is they both played for us for four years. Right. You know, they they played four years and they graduated from Northwestern, so it wasn't like two guys who were there for two years and said, "Man, I'm I'm just going to jump ship." Uh, they were two guys that I have both have great relationships with, incredibly close. And, you know, we, we sat down just like we do with all the players at the end of the year and, and said, where, where are things at, you know, for you personally, for us as a team, us as a program. And, you know, both those guys chose for their COVID years to kind of get a different experience. And, you know, how could I blame them for that? You know, to, to go to a program like Carolina, go to a program like Duke and experience that in their COVID senior year. Um, you know, I, I, I supported their decision and, and then we had to move on. And, you know, I think the the thing that was great about our guys is the way they kind of rallied around each other, the guys who did stay. You know, and we had some great team meetings during that time about, 
you know, the guys who are sticking this thing out and, and seeing the course and, and, and let's find our own way. We lost two really good players, two great guys, guys that we're going to cheer for and forever be a part of our program. But we had to move on and, and we had to figure out how, how can we be successful with what we do have, you know, and, and the guys that are in this locker room. And, and I think our guys did a great job and it's a huge credit to the players to, to be able to say, Hey, we're, we're still going to win. We're going to figure this out. And, and they've done a great job so far this year. And everything that you endured by obviously losing those guys is part of what a lot of programs are enduring now in this new era of college basketball with the transfer portal. Is it more difficult to deal with that, though, when you're at an academic school like Northwestern and don't maybe have the same flexibility as other schools in terms of taking guys from the portal? Yeah, I mean, it, it, it is. It is. It's something that, that we have to work through. It's something that we have to find a way to figure out our niche, you know, how we can be competitive. Player retainment is huge at our program. I mean, that's just the reality. You, know, you talked about it at all the academic schools, you know, just with the way the transfer rules are and in and out and all those things. We we have to try to do the best job we can in identifying the guys that fit us. We We have to retain. We have to develop. And, you know, I think what you've kind of seen the way that's what I've tried to do here. And, and, you know, when we first came 10 years ago, we got a great nucleus of guys that we believed in and, and we played them as young players. And we kind of went through some of the growing pains and they got to the other side of it. And, and we saw what that, you know, could yield, you know, in 2017 with those guys. And we were in a position after those guys left where, you know, we kind of had to hit the the reset button, which I didn't want to do. Uh, you want to sustain. You you would have hoped that, you know, we could have continued that momentum. And but the reality is that that didn't happen. And you know, we this core group of guys you're seeing now was part of a nucleus that that we brought in during that time. It was Boo Boo. It was Chase Sardis. It was Robbie Barron. You know, it was Ty Berry. It was Miller Cop, Pete Nance, Ryan Young. You know, and and we said we're gonna we're gonna build around these guys. We're gonna believe in them. We're gonna play them. And as young players, they they took their lumps, which happens in a great Big Ten. But little by little, even though it wasn't at maybe the rate I wanted, you know, they won three games as a freshman. As freshmen, then they won six. Last year, they won seven. You know, so we saw incremental, you know, improvements. And 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 now these guys, as older guys, three guys that I mentioned in that group that are now seniors, have really led the way, and their experiences I think are really helping us in a time where maybe a lot of teams don't have that chemistry and camaraderie. No question. And I think, Chris, you know, one of the things, too, moving forward as we're kind of in this ever-evolving space in, you know, college basketball is, you know, are there ways to kind of tighten the transfer portal? From your own personal experience, if there was a date where a kid had to commit to a school by, how much do you think that would stabilize the process for everybody? Yeah, I, I think if there were uh, a little more guardrails involved, I mean, look, we, we want these players to have – the ultimate rights. I mean, I was a player at one point, you know, I'm, I'm jealous. You know, I, I wish I had the ability, you know, not to say that I would have transferred, but, you know, just to have the ability to, you know, in the past where schools could block kids from leaving and things like, like I always right. thought that was wrong. Um, but can we figure out a way with these rules where we can get the best of everything? You know, can we, can we figure out the transfer thing where these, these guys do have the ability if they don't like their situation to, to leave. But, but like you said, have it be 
a, a little bit more of a time frame that that we can work around with with our own programs. I mean, you know, you're seeing so many opportunity out kids even leaving during the summer or you know right at the beginning of the year in the fall. And it and, it, uh, and obviously it's hard when you're trying to build a team, you know, as a coach and a coaching staff when you want to have your guys in place and say, hey. This is who we got. This is this is what we're working around. And I think with all rules, John, you see them. They they always say it was kind of like the one and done in in the NBA or guys going out of high school. I don't I don't think you really fully understand the full ramifications of what those rules are until you live with them for a couple of years. Right. And and hopefully now that we're starting to live with NIL. We're starting to live with the transfer portal. I'm not saying it's going to go away, but how can we now work together to figure out, can we make it better for all parties involved? Because at the end of the day, it's it's like, I mean, no one loves college basketball more than you. Uh, I've been a part of college basketball now 25 years as a coach, my four years playing. Um, you know, I love the game. I love what it represents. I think we all want this game to stay strong and, and, sure. and, and stay in a position where it doesn't lose what's made college basketball so good for so long no doubt and you know you were then you know kind of pressed into a situation for the first time as a coach where you know you had somebody leave you know right before a year where you know you were returning the majority of the nucleus that you know was really close to breaking through last season in the Big Ten you know one thing you've always said to me is you know the great thing about you as you were evolving in your career in coaching was you had your father as a resource who obviously was an NBA head coach and you had Coach K who you played and worked for when you had conversations with your dad and Coach K about how to recalibrate your team after losing two guys who went to two blue blood programs what advice did they have well, you know, I, I think the the great thing in, in Coach K is, you know, I, a lot of people don't remember. I was a part of a, a time in the mid '90s where, you know, we we had to we had to kind of reinvent ourselves. I was there, you know, my first two years. You know, I come I came into school on the heels of the '91 '92 national championship. You know, '93 I played as a freshman with Hurley and Hill and Tom and all those guys. And then my sophomore year, we went to the national championship in '94 when Grant was a senior. You know, and then that next year, you know, the everything just, you know, went went awry. I mean, Coach K got sick. Um, you know, we kind of hit the skids. We went from the national championship to last place in the ACC. Uh, there was a lot of uncertainty around the program. Was Coach K coming back? You know, our, our roster wasn't of due quality and all those kind of things. And I was, I was always proud of the fact that I was kind of a part of a group that kind of, you know, hung in there and, and got things back on track, you know, during that time. And, you know, I think Coach K kind of just reminded me of that time. You know, hey, remember, remember your, what you were like as a player and what you went through and, and what you had to do that last year as a senior to kind of help get us back on track and just stay true to who yourself as a coach. You know, don't, don't lose confidence. Um, you know, don't lose sight of the things you do well, you know, stay the course and, and continue to fight and continue to coach and continue to give everything of, of yourself to the guys that you do have. And, um, you know, it was a good reminder, you know, there, there's, there's times when, you know, there's ups and downs in this business and, and it's very public as you know, and, and probably more so than ever now, you know, with social media and, and the opinions that everyone has and, and you respect, I, I feel like I've always been pretty good because I grew up in the limelight of, of having a father who, you know, I've always been good about eliminating outside noise because that's kind of been my life. So, you know, I just tried to stay the course and say, Hey, I, I got, I got some good things in this locker room. Still, we got really good guards. We have a veteran 
different team. We got guys that believe in what we're doing, and let's go out there and and, and fight and see what happens. And and that's what's been really fun about coaching the team this year. Northwestern head coach Chris Collins joined the College Hoops Day podcast with John Rothstein. Wildcats fifteen and five entering Tuesday's game at Iowa. Well, you told me when I saw you over the summer that Chase Hadid just was not healthy last season due to a hip injury and it inhibited him to be the player that he could be. He's healthy now. He's one of the best players in the Big Ten. How much has that made such a difference for Northwestern here through 20 games? Yeah, it's been huge. Um, you know, we kind of knew uh, Boo has been, you know, Boo's played well the last couple of years. You kind of knew you were going to have a, a top-notch point guard at that position, but we need a Chase you know, to be at an all-conference level. You know, he and I talked about that. That's what he wants. You know, that's that's how he's driven. I've always loved his competitive spirit and his fire. And, you know, the, the main thing with him was how to channel it in the right way. And the first thing was getting him healthy. And, you know, he took a lot of criticism last year for his play. But people behind the scenes didn't know what he was going through health-wise. And that's why I always continue to really have his back because I saw, like, he was playing – maybe at 70%. You know, he had a hip injury that just wasn't getting better, wasn't healing. Um, you know, he was playing on one and a half legs. And, and this is a hard game to play if, if you don't have your legs underneath you. And, um, you know, I think, you know, it, it caused him to, to not have the year that he wanted and, and caused some frustration. And the main thing last uh, spring and summer was to get him healthy. Let's take the time. Let's get him back to 100%. You know, let's rebuild him back to the guy that that we know he can be, and and all credit to him. You know, he he got his body right, um, and I'm just really proud of the maturity and poise that he's played with, and and his experience now. I always felt he was a guy that has always played with a chip on his shoulder, and sometimes that can work against you because you're always like trying to prove yourself. And um, you know, and and I really want him to have that mentality. I've, I I don't want to rob him of that fire, that drive, that can, because I think it makes him good but I think we've really worked to try to channel that where hey the ball's going to be in your hands you're going to be in a decision-making position you know it doesn't have to be where you got to hit the home run on every play and and he's done a great job with that his decisions his shot selection and then on the defensive end I mean he's as disruptive uh, of a defensive player I believe as as anybody in America and it's really been a, a key to our defensive success as well. And the guy next to him, Chris, you know, really over the last 10 days or so, Boo Booey is going through a little bit of a metamorphosis because Boo has always been, and we've talked about this, you know, a volume point guard. He's going to get shots up and so on and so forth. But over the last week and a half, you have seen Boo Booey really evolve into a veteran point guard whose ball security has reached another level. Over the last three games, his assist to turnover ratio is 15 to 4. What has allowed him to display this maturity at the most important position on the floor? Yeah, I can't say enough about his maturation as a point guard. You know, he he came to college and and really, I mean, he's a volume scorer at the high school level. You know, one of those guys, 30, 35, 40 point games, you know, a lot of shots and and, in a lot of respects has always identified himself, like you said, as, as a scorer, which is fine. Uh, the point guard position has evolved. You know, no longer do you see, you know, kind of the John Stockton kind of set it up type. You know, you need your point guard to be someone that can put the ball in the basket, you know, in today's game. But what I've seen with him this year is just ultimate maturity and poise at that position. Um, you know, I thought, you know, he's always been an emotional player, you know, and at times maybe when things hadn't gone well, you know, he, he had a hard time of getting out of that within a game. 
And, you know, the, the greatest thing I can say about him right now is he really hasn't shot the ball to his level from three this year. Right. You know, I mean, he's he's under 30% from the three-point line. In a lot of respects, that's one of the best things he's done in his career. Yet, he, he's still playing, you know, as, as well as any point guard in this league. He's still finding a way to get 15 to 20 points and distribute the ball. And he's been really good when teams have tried to get the ball out of his hands. He's he hasn't been antsy. He's getting rid of it. He's get, he's letting the game come to him. And it, and it's what you envision. Hopefully, when when a guy becomes a senior, I gave him the ball when he was a freshman. You know, and and that's part of the maturation that you hope to see is with time, with years of experience, with over a hundred games played. That by the time you become an older player, you kind of figure things out. And and that's what that's what's always been fun for me with the college journey as a coach is seeing those, the, the, the stories like the boo booey, you know, seeing a guy that kind of figures it out as he gets older and, and a good player who becomes a great player. And it's, uh, it's been really fun to watch and super proud of him. And another guy that's made another step is Robbie Barron seven and one this season. Northwestern is when Robbie Barron scores in double figures. What changes for your team when he's a guy? Yeah, I mean, it just gives us another, you know, guy who, who can give you points. I mean, you know, for us, we, we have to manufacture enough points in a game to win. We feel pretty good about our defense. We feel like, you know, we can win at times maybe when we're not scoring at a high level. But, you know, how can we complement those guards? And the number one guy on that list is, is Robbie Barron. I mean, he's he's the ultimate X factor. You know, the other day against Minnesota gives us 14 points off the bench. Like when he, when he can give us double-figure scoring, you know, we become a very difficult team to to defend. And, um, you know, he's a, another guy, you know, four years. He started as a freshman. He's played a lot of games. He's kind of that 6'8", six, 6'9", six, versatile, you know, player that every team needs. I've, I've always felt that those kind of players in the college game are invaluable. You know, those guys who are kind of big wings, but they can guard fours and, you know, positions one through four. And even at times, if you go small, we've played him at a little bit of small ball five. So when you have a versatile guy like that and, and he's playing at a high level, it, it really takes our team to another level. You know, these three guys, Bowie, Audige, and Barron, have been such a big part of this, you know, stretch here through the first 20 games where you've won 15 and lost five. You know, we've talked a lot so far about, you know, kind of how things have changed with the pandemic. And these guys can all come back for an additional year. And obviously, we've seen certain players in college basketball, you know, in your own conference, Jalen Pickett at Penn State's having an All-American type year as a COVID senior, is using, obviously, the COVID senior in recruiting something you and your staff have discussed moving forward with this troika yeah i mean uh, you know I, I think the main thing and and what i want to do for all these guys is what is going to be the best for them individually mm-hmm. and you know what we've really tried to do and and i give them a lot of credit you know when you when you become a senior and and you know that kind of at the end of your senior year you know there's there's the great unknown you know what what's kind of kind of be next for me you know, is, is, am I going to have an opportunity to play at the next level? Do I have to play overseas? Do I not play? Do, and, and now you add the ability where guys have the option of another year of eligibility. You know, it's another decision on their plate. Uh, but, but what I've done with all of these guys, it's the same thing I did with Pete and Ryan last year is I said, guys, at the beginning, like all that stuff is going to be there in the spring. You know, when, when the dust settles after the season, you know, do put everything into this season. Like, don't, don't worry. Like, I, I promise at the end of this thing, we'll, we'll all sit down together. Um, and it'll be about what's right for each individual player. 
and you know let let's let's try to see what we can do while we have this season while we have this group together let let's not let our minds kind of wander beyond this but but obviously to your point these last 4 years of players because of the pandemic mm-hmm. has kind of changed things i mean you're seeing older and older teams like to your point you're seeing guys take advantage you know of the rule now when you add the ability for these guys to make money you know, off their name, image, and likeness, it, it becomes a real financial decision as well for these players. So, um, you know, we have a couple more years of players where it's going to affect, and, and it's just kind of added another layer, you know, to, to all the things we're talking about with transferring NIL, now COVID year. It's made the puzzle, you know, a little bit more difficult maybe than it was in years past. Northwestern head coach Chris Collins joined the College Hoops Day podcast with John Rothstein. Well, next up is a game against Iowa and Iowa City, a team that put up over 90 on Rutgers on Sunday. Your thoughts on the Hawkeyes? Well, the last time we played them, I believe they put about 120 on us. So in the, in the Big Ten tournament, uh, never seen a team shoot as well as they did that day. Um, you know when you play those guys, uh, they can put the ball in the basket. doesn't matter what their team. I mean, the names change. Maybe the last name in, in this case didn't change with the Murrays, but, uh, you know, it goes from Garza to, to Murray to Murray. And, and the way Fran coaches that offense, I mean, they're, they're juggernaut, man. They push the ball, their motion offense. It's a little bit different because, you know, the, you see a lot of teams now in the day of the pick-and-roll game. You know, they're one of the few teams now they use the pick-and-roll, but they're a motion-based team. And a lot of times those can be harder teams to prepare for because it's unconventional movement and the pace that they play at, the shooting they put on the floor. I mean, they make 12 threes yesterday. You know, it was scary watching the game because I played Rutgers. I know how good that defense is, and, and they put 93 on Rutgers yesterday. So uh, we know what we're up against. Uh, it's going to be a really difficult challenge. I tell you what, this Big Ten this year, John, is I, I can't even explain it. I mean, I've I've never seen where you have one team, maybe Purdue, that's kind of distanced themselves, but then two through 12, 13, I mean, what is there, one, two games combined, you know, a separation between 10, 11 teams? I mean, that's that's incredible, incredible parity, and, and it really does show – that anyone can win on every given any given night wherever you play, and uh, another example of that for us tomorrow. And uh, we know we're going to have our hands full with this Iowa team. And you know it makes it even harder when you're not at full strength. You played the last couple of games without Julian Roper. Is there any update on his status for Iowa? Yeah, he's getting better each day. You know, working through a sprained ankle, he was able yesterday to do a little bit more. He's um, still kind of be to be determined. Uh, you know, for tomorrow, obviously, this is a big stretch of games for us because of us having to move a couple of those games back. We're in the midst of right now of six games over a two-week stretch. You know, which for college kids is a lot. You know, and so you know, we have three more games. We had three games last week. We have three games this week. So I want to be smart with Julian, make sure that that ankle's ready, so when he does come back, um, you know, he's ready to finish the year with us. Because another important piece, it's an athlete for us that can come off the bench and and is a two-way guy, and and certainly with not having a lot of depth, uh, we're going to have to have hands all hands on deck as we approach these last eleven games of our conference season. Chris, you know, it's the elephant in the room when obviously you followed Northwestern basketball. Uh, Have you brought up the 2017 team with this squad yet? 
No, you know, I, I think it's too early. You know, uh, John, I think we've done a great job. We're, we're nine games in, you know, and this is a 20-game marathon uh, in this league. Um, you know, I, I don't want to put added pressure on these guys because a lot of times when you're at a place where, you know, there's a lot of history where people want to see things that have never happened, um, there's undue pressure put on the players, and I don't want them to feel that. This is their journey. Um, you know, it was, it was it was an interesting dynamic. I think I'm probably a little bit more better equipped. I was very young going through it the first time. Um, there were things probably I did pretty well during that, and there were things looking back that, that man, I wish I would have handled this a little bit better, especially after we got there, um, just being a young coach. So, you know, I, I really wanted to these guys to know that it's about them. Um, you know, it, what's been really fun is to see the community and the students really rally around these teams. We've, we've had a sellout the last few games at home. Um, you know, the student tickets sold out in six minutes for our, Nebraska, uh, for our Minnesota game on Saturday, uh, which is really fun. You know, it's great for these guys to, to get that support. I think it's something they deserve and something we need. And, you know, I just really want them to focus on, man, this is their journey. This is their their opportunity to, to do some things. And when you're at a place that hasn't had a lot of historical success, you know, to me it's really fun to, to have that opportunity. It's one of the reasons why I wanted to come here and coach because there really wasn't a whole lot to, you know, it's not like you're in the shadow of, another big coach or you're in the shadow of all this success, you had an opportunity to go and kind of create your own legacy and create your own history. And we've done that, you know, obviously there've been downs along the way and it's a tough sledding in the big 10, but, you know, looking back on a lot of the things we've been able to do and and when it's all said and done, you know, you can be proud when you're part of history and, and these guys this year will have that opportunity in these next 10 games. Well, you know, Chris, you brought up, obviously, the fact that you've had, you know, great crowds recently at Northwestern, and that's obviously a difference maker. You know, a lot of people, I think, have forgotten this, but the year after you went to the tournament, the 17-18 season, you didn't play games on campus because of the renovations at Welsh Ryan Arena, and you had to play games, you know, obviously far away from campus near the airport. And then last year, you know, you had a team again that was very competitive in the Big Ten, but due to the reoccurrence of COVID, you didn't have crowds really at the start of Big Ten play. How much has has really kind of the sporadic home court advantage, you know, made it even harder to get back since 2017 when you've had capable teams? Yeah, I mean, you know, certainly we were in a position, and you know this, John, following, I mean, our facilities were not up to par, you know, and, and it was something as I came in, you know, 10 years ago, we knew in, us for, for, in order for us to, to consistently be consistent, I mean, to be competitive in, in this league is we had to we had to be up to speed with what the other people had. And, you know, we didn't have a practice facility. We didn't have the resources from strength and conditioning and and all the things with sports science. Our, our arena needed an overhaul. And, you know, because of that 2017 team, there was a huge amount of momentum to be able to, to get all those things. And, and obviously, you know, the timing wasn't great uh, because we had to then take a year where we didn't have any home games. And that was you know, during a time when we had a number of guys, four starters returning, you know, off that tournament team and, 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 and it didn't help. 
Um, but but we try not to ever make that as an excuse. But like when you play in the Big Ten and, and you play in these buildings, like when we go on the road, like we know what we face when we go to the Indianas and the Purdue's and the, the Michigan States and the Rucker. I mean, go go down the line. Like you're you're walking into raucous environments pretty much everywhere you go, and it's always been a goal of mine and a hope to be able to get the point where we got that too. And and I can I can tell you, man, these last couple home games we've had. The Illinois game, the Rutgers game, the Minnesota game that we just had here, um, you know, on on Saturday afternoon, man, it, it was rocking. And, you know, it, I got a little emotional about it walking in because, you know, as, as someone who loves those environments, I've been very fortunate over my time because of where I've been to, to play in pretty much every big venue and, and to see the crowds at their very best in every road venue and, and to be able to have a home, you know, venue like we're getting now where, where I can walk out there and, and it's rocking and, and it's a true home court um, is something that, that I feel really good about because I know it's something we've worked hard for, but it's also something that you really want for your players as they're out there fighting and competing. Final thing, Chris, and I think it's important to remind everybody out there that, you know, this is not a movie. Things do not just fall into place. And, you know, we cut to the camera on on Selection Sunday. This is real life. Things, you know, do not happen like it's a movie. But, you know, 20 regular season games down, 11 to go, plus the Big Ten tournament. We all know what the goal is at the end of this thing. How do you finish the job? Well, we just have to stay the course each game, one game at a time. I mean, I'm I'm not a cliche guy. I hate it, but you know that's just a reality. Uh, because in this league, John, like you, you if you start to go awry for one or two weeks, I mean, you can lose four or five games before you can blink. Um, you know, you've seen it with other teams. You've seen like you have to continue to play good basketball in this league, and we can't get ahead of ourselves in in any way. We have to stay the course with each game. I told our guys we have to eliminate outside noise. Um, You know, it's easy to rally when everyone, you know, is spewing negativity. I mean, that's an easy motivator when everybody doesn't think you can win and you're picked last. And and it's easy to rally around that. You know, can can you stay hungry when people start saying nice things? Yeah. You know, can you keep that can you keep that chip on your shoulder? Can you can you understand that it's never as high as people might say when you win two or three in a row, and it's never as low. You know, when when people say things after you lose by thirty to Purdue or you know have a couple losses in in a row, and and you you got to stay somewhere in that middle ground. We got to continue. Our seniors have to lead the way. We got to keep playing well. Our margin for error is not very big. We have, we we have to we have to fight every night. We have to continue to defend, and hopefully put ourselves in position over these last eleven games. We have incredibly tough games down the stretch. Can we put ourselves consistently in position to win games? And and if we do, we'll get what we earn. I tell these guys, you you'll get what you earn. It's a twenty round fight in this Big Ten, and if you can win more rounds than you lose. You'll probably be in pretty good shape, you know, with the way this season's shaping up. So, um, you know, I'm excited for our guys. You, you hope to go into February and, and play games that actually matter, you know, and, and we've done that by the way we've played these first three months. And and now we gotta we gotta go out there and keep fighting because it's not gonna get any easier because teams are only gonna get better. And you have a lot of teams like us that are fighting for the same goal. So you're gonna have incredibly hungry teams you're playing against. Well, Chris, it's been a lot of fun to cover. Safe travels to Iowa City, and uh, as always, look forward to staying connected along the way. Thanks, John. Appreciate all your work, man. 
We'd like to thank Northwestern head coach Chris Collins for joining the College Hoops Today podcast with John Rothstein. One of my subscribe to the College Hoops Today podcast with John Rothstein on Apple Podcasts. We want to be your Bible for the college basketball season and beyond. We're the only college basketball podcast coming to you 52 weeks out of the calendar year. Also, I want to remind you to check out the College Hoops Today fan page on Facebook. Give us a like, give us a review. Let us know what you think of the product we're bringing to you 52 weeks out of the calendar year. And also a reminder to find and listen to the College Hoops Today podcast on all the popular podcast platforms. Make sure to subscribe like and rate the show and please feel free to leave us comments and also check out collegehoopstoday.com for breaking news podcast archives stories and analysis on the greatest sport that we have on our globe and time now for our social media portion of the college hoops today podcast with john rothstein send me your questions on twitter i'm at john rothstein that's john j-o-n and our first question comes from Sir Mealy Noah, and it's John, will Penn State make the NCAA tournament, and does Jalen Pickett have a legit shot to be a National Player of the Year finalist? I don't think Jalen Pickett will be a, a, have a legit shot at being a National Player of the Year finalist, but I do think he's in contention to be an All-American. He was an honorable mention All-American on my midseason All-American list last week at collegehoopstoday.com. Penn State, to me, is a team, and Penn State made mincemeat out of Michigan on Sunday. If Penn State gets to the NCAA tournament. They would be a very difficult matchup because of their ability to make the three-point shot from everywhere on the floor. Made 13 threes on Sunday against Michigan. Micah Shrewsbury has done a great job with this hybrid offense. And Penn State is another team that has benefited from the transfer portal and getting a player like Jalen Pickett back on a COVID year. That's a big thing to keep in mind. L. Karen 83 wants to know, John, how do you see the Mountain West regular season race ending? Look, San Diego State is the incumbent. New Mexico looks like the best team. But Boise State, a team that lost Abu Kijab and Emmanuel Acott, is playing great basketball. They have great chemistry. And Nevada is also a team that is creeping towards a bid. The Mountain West has done a tremendous job, and even if they don't have the NCAA tournament success they would like, of still creating a scenario where they have great representation in the NCAA tournament. Four teams in last season, I think a minimum of three, go this year. Finn Walsh wants to know, John, is there a path that Michigan can make the NCAA tournament? You know, Finn, I got to tell you, right now I don't see it, and I think one of the ironic things about the Big Ten right now is that Michigan and Ohio State, as of Monday when we're taping this, are 22-20 and 20 combined. That's two of the best brands, not just in the Big Ten, but in all of college basketball. Now, let's get to some nuggets. Five good nuggets. Five. Five. Six. No, five. But you were close. Nugget number one, Murderer's Row. How about Texas's next three games? Baylor tonight in Austin, and then road games at Kansas and State and Kansas. That is a tough three-game stretch, especially coming off Saturday's game at Tennessee. Nugget number two, the master of the mid-range. New Mexico's Jamal Mashburn Jr. is the best mid-range shooter in college basketball. It may not be close. Nugget number three, boom or bust. In Xavier's two losses during Big East play, Sule boom, two of 17 from the field, only six points in those two games. Nugget number four, here comes the heels. North Carolina has quietly won 10 of its last 12 with the two losses during that span coming by a combined nine points in road games at Pitt and Virginia. Nobody wants to see this team on a neutral court in March. Nugget number five, Jalen's drought. UCLA can't come close to reaching its peak until Jalen Clark starts playing better offensively. In his last three games, Clark just seven of 29 from the field, one of seven from three-point range. Now, how about some games to watch? Game 
to watch. Tuesday, Kansas State is at Kansas. San Diego State travels to Nevada. Big game for Steve Alford's team. Wednesday, Providence is at Xavier. Pitt travels to North Carolina. And then Thursday, Oregon is at USC. We'd like to thank Northwestern head coach Chris Collins for joining the College Hoops Today podcast with John Rothstein. We'll be back next week. Same bat time, same bat channel. This was the College Hoops Today podcast with John Rothstein. Thank you.